0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family.
2: Smash Pop.
3: Welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. We will be delving deeply into Bond, tackling a different film each episode, with an exciting guest by my side. Now, episode 14 leaves us sadly exiting the Roger Moore years with A View to a Kill, my special guest this week is the Hoovian Professor of LOLs, Stephen Graham, who can be found on Twitter as @plop_gazette. So, without any further ado, let's bake a quiche de cabernet and say goodbye to Roger Moore. Stephen! Hello! Hello, welcome to SmirshPod. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. As we discussed, now, well. I'm having trouble talking today, so it's going to be
1: funny. Uh, Well, when when I'm being had, people often have trouble talking, funnily enough. Um, It's your charisma and charm. It absolutely is. It oozes, I'm told. Yeah, when I hear your voice, I think one word, debonair. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's uh, not what they called me in court, but never mind that. We shall move on from that. Either
3: either that or debonums. (laughs) Uh,
2: Anyway,
1: uh, view to a kill. We're, We're the last Roger, as it were. Oh, and, indeed, yeah. He doesn't get many in this one either. But, but before we do anything, though, um, we should, of course, uh, read out the disclaimer. Yes. Um, that neither, neither the name Zorin nor any other name or character in this film is meant to portray a real company or actual person.
2: Hmm.
1: Yes. Uh, someone at uh, MGM or E.ON didn't do their research, and there is, in fact, a, a real company, I, I think a French electronics company, called Zorin Industry. That's right which, uh, yeah, a bit, a bit unfortunate. Um, should have given him a cameo. <laughs> have, yeah, have, you know, like, um, what was it, Richard Branson in Casino Royale?
2: Exactly.
3: Except cool. they should have had it, him getting in a hot tub with Fiona Fulton.
2: <laughs> I don't demand if I do. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, I, should,
3: uh, I, I should point that the first thing I noticed, though, at the beginning of this film is that the helicopter pilot was Gordon Brown.
1: Was <laughs> we'll we'll he? Really looks, really. He looks
3: exactly like him. It's really
1: off-putting. I must... What's the matter? Was, he, was he talking about prudent fiscal policy? as he was... Uh, <laughs> well,
3: it explains how he lost his eye, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, it got a bloody flare right in it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, not very
3: sporting, is it? No. So, yeah, Vito KLA is the 14th bond and it's the last Roger. Of
1: Rogers. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny one, really. I've, I've heard a lot of people on this show uh, sort of
2: well, just speaking ill
1: of it, yeah. I have to say. Mm. And, um, I mean, when you, when you asked me which of these films I'd like to do, I instantly said this. Yeah. I, I thought everyone would be clamouring to do it. Mm. So No, you immediately came back and said, yeah, no, here we are. No, no one wants to do this. And so, why, why ever not? It is amazing. It is it's amazing. It's fantastic. It is, it is probably,
3: it's not like my favourite one in terms of it's the best one, but it's my favourite one to watch because it's just got the most in it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the most
3: fun. Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a grand old romp.
3: It is, it is. It's a film very much that your dad would enjoy. Because it's got well, everything. Enough, you get the uh, California girls.
1: Oh, yes, which is amazing. I'm imagining
3: your dad, not your personal dad, but, you know, the, the figurative your dad, you know, sitting there with his, um, uh, you know, the little paper hat that you get out of the cracker. Stuck <laughs> after Christmas dinner, slightly worse for wear with the drink, sitting there, um, sort yeah, tolerating this. And when the California Girls cover gets on, kind of getting up and jiving. Do you have cameras in my house? <laughs>
2: no, no, you're talking. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, it's, it's, oh, it's brilliant. This was the, this was the first film, I, Bond film I saw at the cinema.
2: Wow. I went
1: Excellent, to go and yeah. watch Lady Hawk. <laughs> Uh, what? No, no, I've never heard of this. I'm, I'm much more keen to hear about this film now. Oh,
3: oh well, it's not. Nothing sordid. It's a, uh, a Richard Donner fantasy epic with Matthew Broderick, Michelle Pfeiffer and Rutger Hur.:.: Yeah, and um, I went to go and watch that, but we'd missed the showing or something, and View to a Kill was about to start, so we went. And at the age of eight, I was sort of into Bond, but not that interested, you know, and I came out of... I went to watch View to a Kill. It was the first time I was like, wow, he's really old. <laughs> but at the same time, I really enjoyed it. And I think I think View yeah. to a have got View to a Kill to thank from where where my Bond obsession started.
1: Fair enough. I think this is. I mean, my memory is quite hazy, but I think this is the first Bond film I saw as well. Hmm. Um, I definitely remember. Uh, it may even have been its premiere on television, um, and it was the first time. I, I think it could have been the first interracial kiss I'd ever witnessed. Oh. And so that was a uh, you know that was a big thing in those days. I'm sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. But uh, and she goes, she goes on top as well. <laughs> she does. She
3: gets on top. Yeah. She's like I'm oh, having. That. I'm I'm in charge. Yeah. I bet there was a bit I'm of pegging, pegging. A bit of pegging going on there. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> That is it. Oh dear. Oh dear. But yeah. I don't think. Has a have we, oh, I mean, have we catalogued the positions in uh, in bonds? Conquest. But I don't think he, I don't think he's ever had a girl
3: on top, has he? No, no. I, I, we were talking about this last week, I believe, in um, the Octopusy one. That uh, he seems to be very much a missionary man.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't I think that's as far as his uh, tastes go. I think he's very much a. I don't think he's into any tantric or you know Kama Sutra. or even know,
1: the socks stay on as well. Uh, sorry, the socks stay on. Yeah. Yes, absolutely.
3: I think even to James, and, and- I think to James Bond, doggy is a foreign land.
1: <laughs> I'm sure Q has some racist gadgets from there. Oh, God. Q in this is brilliant. Q is amazing. Although, funnily enough, there aren't actually that many gadgets in this film. For a film that is known for being there's totally a, weird and mental... There's a big, there's fat, his, stupid gadget. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I that took up the whole gadget budget. I mean, He says this is a, a, a piece of a very sophisticated surveillance equipment. You he can says see so it's, it's a highly sophisticated
3: equipment. surveillance robot. <laughs>
1: You
3: can, see, you can see it coming down the road yeah. miles off. And I wrote here that right. Q, when Bond walks into the office, Q's standing there and the, and the minister and M are watching him. And I, I put here, he's being humoured like a simple child playing with a toy at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching him. I mean, uh, how long were they waiting for Bond? It was almost like they were going, oh, thank fuck you've turned up. He's been driving this cat <laughs> around the
1: office for two hours. Well, Bond's been very busy because uh, after the amazing ski sequence, mm. which... I always say it, it's, you're not a real Bond. It's like you're not Doctor Who until you've met the Daleks. Yeah. Which happens in every bloody series. But yeah. in all in Doctor Who, they said that. You're, to me, you're, I always say you're, you're not really Bond until you've had a ski chase. I'd, I'd agree with it, that, yeah. It's one of those essential bits. Um, and then, of course, he makes his escape in an amazing uh, iceberg submarine.
3: Yes, which looks like it's been
1: made by Blue Peter. Yes, with, with a lever installed, the, the sole purpose of which is to, um, for Bond to push and for, to make the girl fall into his bed.
3: Yeah, and the chair that turns into a bed as well.
2: Yeah, it's
1: I mean, Q, what was he thinking?
3: I, well, I'm imagining it wasn't made by Q, it was made by, do you remember the League of Gentlemen episode where that man comes up, he, he's called Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I've, made, I've made you a submarine, Bond. You know. It's like a sex submarine. I bet it had like one of those love swings in it, but Bond just le- uses it to put his gun holster on or something.
1: Absolutely. And the, but then it has the, a line which I am troubled by. Mm. Uh, I have to sleep he, uh, The lady falls into the bed with him and he says, Well, it's five days till Alaska. <laughs> now, I'm not an expert on submersibles, but I don't imagine they're the most well ventilated of craft. No. And- I bet it fucking stank in that after five days. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine. Five days of slightly old Rodge ro- ro- pumping at it. They, what they should have done is they should have had a scene later on when we had you know when you have those scenes with Q in his lab. Yeah. We should have had a bloke. We should have had a bloke standing on top of the sub in the background with the hatch open, just with one of those power hoses. <laughs> just
2: yeah,
3: cleaning the
1: thing. Uh, because
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I bet they looked like a plaster's radio when it got back.
2: Oh, God. That poor girl.
3: Yeah. She oh, saw some things. <laughs> she was never seen again, either.
2: <laughs> no.
1: Oh, Lord, be buried her under the snow somewhere.
3: But anyway, Bond, Bond's mission here was to retrieve a microchip, which in 1985 was, you know, quite a big deal. So yeah, you know, a then microchip. The
1: gets off the body of
3: another 00
2: agent. There's,
1: yeah. There seems to be a... Really large number of Bond films that open with another 00 agent's corpse being found by Bond. Well, that's two in a row. I mean, Bond doesn't find the corpse in Oct-
3: Octopussy, but the uh, octopusy opens with a double... I think it's 009, dressed as a clown, dying.
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that bit. Yeah, yeah I that's two in a
3: row. Yeah, so, I mean...
1: Actually, I'm Ron's... just thinking
3: about it. The next, the next, the Living Daylights opens with loads of 00s
1: getting killed as well. Yeah, one, one goes off a cliff. Yeah, yeah it's... Sivart is the only one who ever has had more than one mission it seems
2: yeah well good for him
1: you know fortune <laughs> favours the brave in, in, indeed oh. but just the one who spent his time five days in a sub banging yeah. some Swedish birds
3: but it, he also brought back was it beluga and um, uh, was it champagne oh it was vodka wasn't it vodka and beluga vodka, so yeah. because yeah. there's a waitress up that mountain as well it seems <laughs> It's amazing the bottle didn't break.
1: Yeah, or, or just the straight bullet didn't hit the caviar and it leaked and left a trail for them to follow to the sub.
3: Yeah, and they're just about to kill him and like a, a big walrus comes along and eats them. They get covered <laughs> in the caviar. That'd be pretty good. But anyway, yeah, so Bond gets them back them. with the microchip and then he gives it to Q and Q puts it in the microcomparator, which I wrote down here. I wonder if that gets used very much. <laughs>
1: it's, it's lucky he had it, really. It is, isn't it? It was poor
3: up to, to M's office. But also, we also are treated to the sight of uh, Q holding the microchip in his hands and it's a very unfortunate close-up because if, yes. what you're dealing with there is a very small object
1: and
2: these <laughs> giant you know, hands. There
1: is, there is more hand than chip mm. in uh, like the opposite of Scotland in a way. But <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, does no, it? No, actually, it, it may we'll be hard. That. Well- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. more hand so, yeah, than yeah, man. Really- Hey. I I thought, though, there aren't that many. Because I was, given that we are now, the the achievement of this show has been to cause an obsession with Desmond Llewellyn's hands. Yeah. And so so I was looking for them throughout this film. And I think they must have retroactively edited them out because I couldn't really. (sighs) There weren't that many shots of them in this. No. So maybe they've been taking
3: your hands on board. I think so. There's just the microchip at the beginning, which, to be fair, is probably the worst example of his hands.
2: Yes, yeah, the, the whole thing is
3: points at them. Yeah, the pointing
1: is not pleasant.
3: Like a bag full of dicks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he points to this. No, I of- don't want to know how you can make that kind of comparison.
3: But- <laughs> no, but we should also point out someone else who sometimes gets stick from this podcast. Money Penny looks fucking dreadful in this. It looks like she's been oh, Jesus. fighting a blancmange.
1: It's it's a genre of clothing. Uh, i um, a friend of mine used to term as uh, well what you got out of the back pages of the Radio Times. Mm. It's it's those things you so adverts like the 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 neighbor out of Keeping Up Appearances. What was the the actress who played her? It was oh, the, I don't know. Josephine Joseph, Josephine Houston was that her That's name? That's it. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. But um, yeah, the awful outfits that she had. to make yeah, she does look terrible in this.
3: And she's wearing uh, a hat that looks like she's poking her head through a flower display. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's dreadful. And, they,
1: so, and she, she wants to go out in public dressed like this. <laughs> she does. She wants, she wants to go down the races, uh, which is uh, there's, which leads to one of my favourite bits in oh. the because uh, we get well this is, uh, also to get an idea of I think Roger's frame of mind in this film. Um, you can sort of, in the first two-thirds of the film, he's surrounded by a lot of actors he's familiar with. Yes. Um, with Lois Maxwell, then Patrick McNee turns up, who, and they go way back. They were big mates. Yep. And um, then he's, I, I think he's sort of happy in those surroundings, and then in, in the last third of the film, he's just not into it as much because uh, he's with these other people.
3: Well, something happens, which we'll get to, because I want to examine that when we get to it, but something definitely happens there, but they go to Ascot. And then um, they, this is where the whole plot starts to uncover that perhaps Zorin, Zorin's got these, a racehorse called Pegasus. Yes. yes which wins the race. And they, and, and um, Tibbet, who is played by Patrick Me, nee, suggests that there's more to it than training.
1: Yes. Cause he's, he's a retired, well, I think he's, it seems to be implied he's retired from the service and he's gone into horse training. Yeah. You might be doing all right. Yeah. My my observation I made uh, during this this in this scene we have the cream of Britain's uh, foreign intelligence agency. Yeah. Having a big confab. Hmm. And if and you said really, well and as you said at the very start, what is the the age of these people?
3: Yeah, I did. There was, and, there's a there's a frame there's a bit framed there where you see Crystal Walker in Mayday, and then it cuts back yeah. to Roger Moore, Patrick Mcnee the minister money penny and m and they all are
1: over 55 indeed well i mean if you're very sad and have no life you'd have done the 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 calculations so i did the calculations (laughs) um both roger moore and lois maxwell are 58 years old in this film right uh desmond desmond is 71 m is m is 64 and Patrick McNee is 63. So the cream of our intelligence services have a combined age of 314. <laughs> <laughs> is, which I think is great. I think, yeah. you know, this bloody youth culture, hmm. they think they know it all, well, don't they?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but who, who, who would be there to, to change a plug for them, eh? Well,
3: exactly. They've been there, they've done it. Damn right. Roger has. Oh, absolutely, he has. He's still got a bad back. Um, so what oh. happens then is that Patrick Mcnee says to Roger Moore, which is the best thing here, I know, he basically says, I know someone in France who, who knows about these horses, and his name is Mister Obeshi. <laughs> yes. This is the best name in James Bond ever.
1: Couldn't get the... <laughs> oh, I'm, they, I'm, um, I'm,
3: also, and we see, the... sorry, we see Pegasus win the race, and then they're all happy yes. after the race, and then Pegasus starts freaking out, and Mayday tames him.
1: Yes, she's, uh, able, she is a genetically modified superhuman, we later learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, or is she? I don't know, actually. No, Christopher Walken I, is.
3: I don't know about that. Walken
1: yeah. Walken's basically yeah, an Aryan
3: a... superman, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he's a sort of Joseph Mengele experiment that's yeah. escaped. It's, yeah, so, she's able to calm a horse, which must be a, you know, keep her around for that reason.
3: Yeah. Right. But didn't ruin
1: her lovely red dress.
3: No, no, he didn't. But she tames the horse, and then some, one of them says something like, oh, you, someone, something like you have to admire her spirit or something. And uh, yes. Roger gives her a look like, uh, I, might, I might bang that later. You know, that sort of thing.
1: I think, well, he's look, he's, having that, he's looking at uh, May Day like that, and his, his contact lenses must have been dodgy that day or something. I'm you know, no, not sure what's going
3: on. Yeah, but he has to go to France. So he goes to the Eiffel Tower to have dinner with Monsieur Aubergine. Who is dubbed, <laughs> dubbed dub? very badly.
1: It, was he dubbed? I didn't notice. <laughs> he was really horribly dubbed, yeah. <laughs> just laughing my arse off at his voice. And the amazing Dominique. Uh, yes, the amazing Dominique. Uh, I mean, I don't know about the turns you see in restaurants that you go to, but I, mean, I think she'd have gone down a storm on the good old days. Yeah, I just wrote like, down here well. stealing a living. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much. Roger doesn't look impressed by it. No, but, but uh, Mr. Rod is.
3: Well, I have, fact, I have to say I've written down his dialogue here, which is my fucking favourite dialogue in any Bond film ever. Ready? I, I,
1: I bet it's the same line I have written here.
3: Well, his security is formidable, but the key to this mystery is there, and I, as thief intend to find it. As <laughs> the uh, yes.
1: thing hits him in the face. Funnily enough, that wasn't the line I had written down. The standout line for me in that scene is when they're watching the lovely uh, good old days performer, Dominique, and and lovely Dominique. Leonard Sachs got her in specially; it's fantastic. And uh, he he turns to Bond and he says, "Perhaps we should add these butterflies to our collection." (laughs) (laughs) Clearly suggesting that he wants he wants to make his own Eiffel Tower with Bond and this lady. Yeah, I think he and is. And Bond, Bond does not look enthusiastic about that either, no, I has to
3: say.
2: No. No. It's
3: but I did notice in this in this scene, one of our um SmurSh uh uh listeners pointed this out, and I've sorry, I've forgotten who it was, so I do I do apologize. But they pointed out that in the background of the Monsieur Aubergine scene, the comedian Tony Hawks is an extra. No. I really? He is, yeah. I didn't believe it at first because the screenshot he'd given i only saw it on my phone so i couldn't really examine it but watching it on the tv it is indeed tony hawk so they must have filmed this bit at pinewood and he was obviously and i did tweet him just as i watched it and said because he's, he's on twitter as like the fridge man or something and yeah. i tweeted him and said w- is that you in view to a kill and as yet he has not replied but it is, if it's not him it is a doppelganger of him it's exact
1: looks exactly like him but would he not have been riding high in the charts with stutter at this time probably would wouldn't he it would have been, it would have been a money cameo. Uh, yeah. Having him,
3: in. no sleep till of, bedtime.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. core <laughs> oh, blimey, mean, yes. Yeah,
3: I, I I liked Morris Minor in the Mages, I must say.
1: I thought I thought the bit where they sampled the Neighbours theme is hilarious. Yeah.
3: Yes, and they had their own TV show for a, a short while. Oh, yeah, that was a sitcom he was in, wasn't they? Mm. It was like a kids' oh. sitcom. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was great. He was great, and we digress. Um, so obviously, Monsieur Aubergine has been murdered by a uh, f- uh, flying butterfly with a spike in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it was poisoned, or he just had, like, a fatal heart attack at that exact moment. That could have already drowned in the soup. Yeah, yes, like Keith Chegrin did once almost, apparently.
1: <laughs> it's all right, he's blocked us, we don't need to. Well, exactly. He'll never know about it.
3: Well, maybe someone else did, and he copied it. Um, but
2: ooh.
3: Um, so so bond goes chasing after mayday who is actually during this time sort of taken over from the man who's supposed to be flying the butterflies round yes and provided the poison one
1: this is another amazing piece of assassin logistics hmm. like yeah like the, the uh coffin man from um moonraker yeah it's like so they had to find out who was on what turns were on in the restaurant that night hmm. He probably liaised with Leonard Sachs to find this out. At three then, o'clock in the morning? Yeah.
3: In a toilet? <laughs>
1: in a bus station toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and then she had to train herself up in fly casting, mm. get her own props. I mean, I, I, I mean between you and me, I, I think it's a bit far-fetched. Just a bit. Yeah. But
3: it's no orangutan a... driving a, sh- a car, but...
1: <laughs> no,
3: no, no. No, I mean, that's just too what? far-fetched.
1: Yeah, but she she makes good her escape, though.
3: Mm. And then you get a nice little stunt of uh, her leaping from the Eiffel Tower. Mm. It's,
1: it's a brilliant stunt.
3: It's a great stunt. The only trouble is, now I know how it's done, you can see the um, ramp at the top see, they th- jumped off. Yeah, you'd think in, on Blu-ray or something, they would have George Lucas that out. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But the they would have tidied up Roger's neck as well, wouldn't they? She <laughs> 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 looks like a blasted rotum.
1: It's like you sort of chinese up around the eyes sometimes. He
3: is a bit.
0: Cool. cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Yeah. um,
3: So, yeah, Bond chases her down by jumping on top of the lift that goes past, which is also quite a nice little stunt. And it did make me think that in this film so far, there's probably been more stuntmen than Roger Moore.
1: They really have earned their, um, their dinner in this one.
3: Yeah. But then talking of dinner, he goes down and he gets a cab driver, a French cab driver, to get out of his car. And this and cab driver is having a break and drinking a glass of wine.
1: He is amazing. And another brilliant French st- stereotype. Yeah. And he literally says, <laughs> my car! As Bond is driving off, oh, my car, you're down Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! It is, yeah, it is brilliant. Especially I as a minute love.
3: beforehand, he says he doesn't speak English.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, fuck they're, all like, blood, they're all like that They're just basically we don't all speak French Have you seen them at Eurovision Insisting on reading the scores in French
2: Yeah So,
3: so Bond then gets in his car His uh, Renault oh. And then the super, what's his name, Remy Julien The French stunt driver Takes
1: over Yeah, he did all of them, didn't he Yeah, he did and, yeah. Well, we, we know it's him because we can see his fucking face hmm <laughs> particularly the bit
3: where the uh, barrier takes off the roof of the car and he looks up yeah but... he might as well just stop to... the car stand up and go hello I'm Remy Julien Roger Moore's stunt level. he was
1: concentrating on trying to keep his uh, blonde highlighted wig on
3: yeah yeah it's not sure. it's like a ferret maybe anyway so he, his car which I, I love this stunt when I was little when he jumps over that bus and then the car gets chopped in half for fucking no reason whatsoever and is still able to move yeah i mean it was obviously like this horrendous cut and shut that the taxi driver had that it just take, take one <laughs> prang for it to snap in
1: half yeah, in, in fact in a, in a scene that was probably cut just after rog drives off um roger cook suddenly grabs the the, the cab driver and starts berating him hmm. for, yeah driving around in an unsafe car that's why yeah that's probably what happened
3: yeah that well that fills in that blank anyway and uh, so
1: then Roger sees uh, Mayday
3: land on top of this uh, party boat on the seine, mm. and he jumps in, and this bit's always bothered me because having got married myself, it sometimes requires, you know, a lot of preparation. And there's this happy couple who are about yeah. to celebrate and cut their cake, and a yeah. 58-year-old man drops through the roof, lands on top of their wedding cake, and to add insult to injury, hands them a piece of the broken <laughs> cake and says, Congratulations. <laughs> and there must have been that moment where the wife or the bride or groom
1: looked at each other to think, Did you order an old man to drop down? Because I didn't. It is like something someone would do now to make their fucking wedding go viral. Yes. Like all like, oh, pricks do now on the entire
3: fucking. Yeah. You're giving them ideas. Not, now. Just,
1: not just as a bitter unmarried person, <laughs> but just, just in general. It is something Aaron Kraskell would do. Oh yeah, well that's the, first, that's the first and only time he'll be mentioned on this show. Oh, so.
3: absolutely. Yeah, although he has got a, he, he's on telly now, so he can anyway. Is I, I'll, I'll fucking, yeah. um So yeah, um, he, basically, Mayday gets away in that she's in a speedboat with. Walken? Uh, um, okay. I was going to say Drax, and then I was going to say Largo. For fuck's sake, she's in a speedboat with uh, Zorin, and he you says to her. Many. I know I've watched too many bomb films. This problem, and he says to her, he says like. Is it done? And she just goes, "Yes." And, they, and then she, he laughs, and then she goes, "Ah!" She gives
2: herself a hearty
3: slap as she does. That's right. To the point where you think Zorin would turn to her and go, "All right,"
1: <laughs> you just
3: murdered someone. You know,
1: you know that um, Zorin was they had originally considered David Bowie. Yes, right. this role, which uh, uh, he didn't he didn't want to do though. Um, I think he was he would have been doing Labyrinth. Hmm. About this. And he, he wasn't much of a Bond fan was he not? But, uh, no, um, I, think he said he, I think he said in an interview once, he preferred the Sean Connery ones he didn't, they were too cartoonish now and yeah, so the choice to be in a, a sort of surrealist fantasy with lots of rubber-faced creatures or a labyrinth oh, I, love, I
3: was hoping you'd do that
1: hey! Hey! Yeah. that's very good so
3: um, then, then Bond is sprung from a, a French jail by M and he's, yes. he's being told off, you know, causing millions of pounds worth of damage. And then in the same breath, with balls of brass, M says, And what did you learn from Aubergine? <laughs> How are you not laughing at that point?
2: The book has seen the state that Aubergine's in. Yeah. Well, he, so
3: basically, he says, Before he died, he told me that they're having a stud, stud sale or something, at, um, Zorin's French chateau. Yes. And then he says, well, then you must go there immediately.
1: Yeah, and, and McNee is his, uh, his man on the inside. He's able to get him in. Yeah, he's, and then he has to which, pretend to be his chauffeur. Yeah, which leads to the, 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 the brilliant double act between the two. Yeah. Uh, they're recreating their, their magical relationship from the uh, 1970-something film Sherlock Holmes in New York. Oh, yes, that's right, because
3: uh, McNee was Watson, wasn't he?
1: And he, for some reason, he goes, what, what are you doing, Holmes? What's going on? He plays him as a man with horrible smoking asthma for some reason. Does
3: he? I haven't seen Sherlock um, Holmes in New. Is it Sherlock Holmes in New York? Is it called? Yeah,
1: it's, it has John Huston as Moriarty. God, um, he plays him as Irish and. Oh uh, <laughs> damn it, blast you for the medal of the char, Mister Holmes.
3: Oh God, I've seen so, I've seen John Huston doing Scottish in Casino Royale, and that was probably enough. Yeah, he's like.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Of oh, course, you spoken like a native. Yeah, see. But, yeah, it's uh, in fact. the well, funny thing about Sherlock Holmes in New York is that it, whether they knew it or not, it had an influence on the um, Stephen Moffat Sherlock. It wasn't very because, good. Uh, well, yes, that. <laughs> but uh, also, no, there's a bit. There's a bit in the, the whole plot of the film is Moriarty has kidnapped Irene Adler's son, ah. and Holmes has Holmes has to go to New York to uh, solve the mystery. And for some reason, he, he realises that the boy is his son. I think the, the boy's called Scott. And Holmes tells Watson that his full name is William Sherlock Scott Holmes, which is something that was totally made up for the film. Hmm. That it's not in Conan Doyle at all. And, but then in the TV series, that turns up as Holmes' full name as well for some reason. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if they read that somewhere and didn't know where it came from, but yeah, it's a very odd uh, influence on future Holmes canon.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, there you go.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah then, he, uh, then he arrives,
3: and uh, uh, Bond says that his name is St. John Smythe. Indeed. Which sticks out so far, his name might as well be spying on you.
1: <laughs> it really does. It's, I was wondering, is this a joke on, uh, on non-English or non-British people being able to cope with our weirdly spelled and pronounced names? I guess because so. Everyone who, everyone who tries to say his name gets it wrong. Yeah. Well, it bothered me as well, because um,
3: written down, it's St. John Smythe, isn't it? But it's pronounced Sinjin. Yes. But it's
1: very strange. It's one of those ones. It's like, it's like Magdalene when it's pronounced Maudlin. Mm. So it's a stranger. Yeah, it's one of those weird quirks of English. We're talking so, about um, weird quirks,
3: because Alison Doody comes out and she says, I'm Jenny Flex. And he replies with, questions. of course you are. Which doesn't make any sense.
2: No, it really doesn't. And
1: she's 18 years old. Oh, is she? yeah which is you thought it was creepy in the the other film um your, was, eyes, was, only. your eyes only where he's uh he's got the no he's, he's he's having a crack at a, a an eighteen year old in that which is you know quite big. but then in the eighties people who were eighteen looked thirty two anyway i don't know' what your, was in the water in the- your honor <laughs>
3: <laughs> and thus concludes today's u tree trial um but, yeah, so, but yes so sir- so he he has the line to her um do you like to? Um, what is it about? Do you like to go out in the morning? And she says, "I like to have an early ride." And he says, "I'm an early riser
1: myself." Yeah, he, he asks her if uh, she enjoys being in the saddle. I it. Yeah. Which I'm again, I'm not entirely sure if that makes sense.
3: But then um, Bond and uh, Patrick Mcnee get back to their room and they decide to pretend like they're having a row. Like, "Well, oh, what have you washed? What have you washed my shoes with? Human shit." And then. Well, um, Bond-
1: what an absolute prick to uh, to Tibbet in this. Yeah, but we scene
3: know we know why. We know why. I'll tell you why. We've got a theory. But then oh, Tibbet, oh. Tibbet uses his bug detector to look for bugs, and when mm-hmm. he turns on, it goes. Boop, 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 and I'm like, why would you use that? Because that'll come out if they're listening. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So they um, they then find the bug and they turn on a little dictaphone, which they've obviously spent fucking hours recording of them having a row. And they go yeah. out on the balcony, and Tibbet says, um, "Do we have to keep this up even when we're alone?"
1: I think they're going out together in this. I, I think so. Okay, yeah, so that's, 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 that's possible. I yeah. imagine, well, they probably, spent, they probably bonded over the many hours they spent recording this yeah. awful argument script that Q wrote, thinking, <laughs> I'm, I, I'll retire and become the next Alan Akeborg. <laughs> I'll write this hilarious, witty script. There's here, and maybe he'll commission me. Hmm. And... He's, uh, yeah, I, uh, but there's a, there's a fantastic bit of business uh, as they come in because he's made Tibbet carry all his bags. Yes. And, 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 and Roger goes, here, let me help you. And he takes the umbrella out
2: yeah. from under his arm.
1: And leaves him with all the bags. Um, that, is a, that is a fantastic piece of physical comedy.
3: It is very good. Then you get, um, they go and he goes out to the party and he meets uh, Zorin's um, f- father, scientist man, what's he called?
1: It's his House Nazi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his, his name is uh, Dr. Carl Mortner. That's right.
3: And he's wearing a monocle. Uh, and, you know, if, you're, if, you are, if you are pretending to be a Nazi, you wear a monocle to apply as much distance
1: from thinking, anyone absolutely. thinking you're a Nazi by wearing a monocle. Uh, but also by having long white hair and yeah. generally looking like a Nazi. And what's the line he says that you always quote? Well, there's the bit... It's this scene. There's the bit where... Um, he basically tells Bond he's a Nazi. Yeah, well, he talks about breeding, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, said, and he says, you, oh, does, does this also apply to humans? And he goes, yeah, my principles are the same. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great time doing this in the early 40s. <laughs> um,
3: but is this when Bond um, puts on his uh, sort of disco Mike
1: Reed glasses
3: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and watches Zorin and Stacey having a, a, a chat?
1: Yes, they're having a conversation. Comp- yeah, Stacey turns up in, the, in this section of the film yeah. because she needs to, for no other reason than she needs to be there. She's, yeah. She solves the plot later. She, and Bond's attempted flirting with her is, well, he's, Roger's losing his touch. Yeah. He's uh, not getting anywhere. It's terribly frustrating. I'm sure we've all been there.
3: Well, he says to her, um, he basically comes over and says, Penny for them, you know, you're right, love, cheer up. And he tries to give us some champagne. And then he says, my name's St. John Smythe, James St. John Smythe. I thought, where's James St. John Smythe come from?
2: Yeah,
1: later on as well, when he, cha- he has another alias, he's still called James. He can only handle one assumed <laughs> name. James Stock of the London Financial Times. James. But then um, Patrick
3: McNee and Bond, because what, what happens is, while Bond is badly mingling around this party and making himself stick out like a sore knob, um, Patrick <laughs> McNee is sort of investigating... Uh, the Pegasus and, and looks in and then Pegasus has disappeared so they decide they're going to have to come back at night and check out the stables and I've written down here that uh, Moore and McNee go undercover dressed like two dads who've turned up at a disco to pick up their teenage daughters because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Roger's wearing like a, a, an 80s sort of casual tracksuit sweatsuit yeah. and Patrick McNee's got like this kind of like um, uh, sort of
1: faux leather jacket type thing going on they're, they're, they're both going to just drag some very bored children around a garden centre on a bank holiday weekend.
3: Yeah, it reminded me of, you know, like if your mate's dad came and picked you up and he'd, he'd usually turn up in chucksuit bombs and slippers instead of shoes and trousers. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I never yeah. had
1: any friends as a child.
3: Huh? Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, um, but then we get Ron Tarr dressed as a bookie. Like all of Lauren's henchmen in this are dressed as like field bookies.
1: Big Ron. Yeah, Big Ron. I was so excited when Big Ron turned up. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be a very keen viewer of EastEnders and Big Ron was my favourite. Big Ron, at least I used to live...
3: Big Ron used to be... I I grew up in Watford and they filmed a lot of EastEnders around there and uh, Big Ron used to pop up a lot in town. Wow. Yeah, he must have lived nearby.
2: There you go. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, but uh, he escapes though. There's a a nice bit of plotting though when they're almost rumbled in the lab. Hmm. Um, Mcnee puts they discover the horse steroid and how it would be applied to the horse. And Bond's able to do his thing where he instantly knows absolutely everything about this thing he's just found.
3: Yeah, it's like that bit in The Matrix where he can download the how to fly a helicopter in one second. That sort of thing, yeah. yeah. And
1: uh, McNee puts it back in the wrong hole. Hmm. And as, as someone who can be quite uh, aware of where things should be at any time. I can sympathise with Dr. Mortner when he comes back, so that's the wrong fucking place.
2: Fuck's
1: right. been in here.
3: Yeah. Who's
2: used
3: my It's Like Nazi Goldilocks, isn't it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Who's been messing with my potion? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's been
1: fiddling with my horses?
3: <laughs> but then um, they manage to get back home, and at this point, Zorin is having his... Um, Fighting practice with Mayday, and again she beats yes. the shit out of him. Really, mm. although he does force her to kiss him, which is a bit
1: yeah. yeah. And, but then she's she's annoyed when the phone rings and he stops kissing her.
3: Mm. It reminded me so a bit of that film Black Dynamite. Have you seen Black Dynamite? Uh, th- no, is this another one of your pornographic cinema trips? That- no, no, no. It's a comedy film, but there's a bit where he's uh, fighting lots of. Uh, karate man at the beginning and his phone rings and he picks it up and he says I told you to never interrupt my kung fu and <laughs> reminded me a bit of that I wanted Zorin to say uh, that I have told you he does say something i like, told you no I, I can't do Crystal Walken I've told you no interruptions that's me doing Crystal Walken
1: I've told you never to interrupt my kung fu <laughs> that's it yeah. I was Bowie reading for the role yeah. mm, that was his audition that's it, that's a, uh, Day's amazing um, karate outfit
3: yes where you can see uh, both
1: buttocks Oh, I know. In fact, I I even made a recording of uh, our gussets. If we we listen very carefully, you can hear.
2: Yeah.
3: I thought you were going to play the Chuck Berry tape.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, Lord.
3: Yeah, oh, Lord.
1: Yeah, at least said about that the best.
3: (laughs) They get back and they realise Bond isn't in his room because they know that the, the lab's been tampered with. And Mayday looks in her room and Bond's in bed, and and Roger, bless him, because he's fifty eight, he's got his top off, <coughs> and he's kind. It of, he just looks really strange, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> he's, he's almost. Steps his and and those of the uh, the the bedding are almost of a oneness. Yeah.
3: And He says, "Oh, Mayday, where have you been? I've been waiting for you."
1: So you said you were going to take care of me.
3: And then she turns and looks at Zorin, and he gives her a look like, "Yeah, all right, you go on then." And she does. And then he looks a bit like, oh, she actually did. All right, I'll I'll go for a wank or something. (laughs) And then she gets in bed with Bond. And the the story is, as you probably know, I've I've read Bond. uh, Bond, I've read Roger Moore's um, My Word is My Bond. And he says that uh, during this scene, because he didn't like Grace Jones, and during the scene he got in the bed and she put a big black
1: dildo in there as a joke. (laughs) In the, in the version of the story I heard was that she actually was wearing the dildo oh. um, under the robe, and as uh, as she disrobed, it sort of hung on it for a second, yeah, and sprung out uh, very alarmingly, yeah. Oh
2: um,
1: yeah, Rog Rog never sort of said much about uh but he went went at uh, when I went to see him in a in one of his one man shows. He hmm. uh, the, the chappy who interviewed him he. Asked him said, yeah, and, they, oh, and View to a Kill, that was one of yours as well. And he goes, oh, yeah, it was Grace Jones. It was a nice bloke. <laughs> and that was, the, that was literally all he had to say about it.
3: <laughs> because I, in his word was, in his book, My Word is My Bond, I'm sure he says something about how she had a dressing room next to his and she would play really loud, like, um, reggae or something all the time. Well, in fact, well, I know exactly what was happening
1: what? in there. Well, it, 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 t- it ties into later in the film. I suppose we can jump to it. But uh, mm. later on, when Mayday and uh, Zorin, they uh, have a sort of Mexican standoff with General Gogol yes. and his men. Yes. Uh, one of Gogol's heavies mm-hmm. is Dolph Lundgren. Yes. Who was the first film role. He was uh, her boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And can you imagine two more physically perfect specimens of humanity? No. Not and, at that time. Uh, just going listen. at it, glistening in the, in the light. Yeah. No way, like an image from one of the Emperor Tiberius's pornographic lithographs from Capri. Just go oh, on, just, oh, just get, that, get that in there. Get he, that, he, he was slave to her rhythm. <laughs> and he did yell, I have the power. He did. Uh, That's true.
3: But jumping back slightly, we've got to talk about the thing yes. which, which I was talking about earlier, why uh, Bond why Bond's heart isn't in it for most of the film and it's because Tibbet isn't he says to Tibbet right I know what's going on you go into town phone him and tell him and he says well how am I going to get out of here and go into town and he says oh go and get the car washed so he goes Mm -hmm. okay and then he goes and gets the car washed you weren't supposed to be doing that that's the cover you idiot (laughs) Yeah, and it empties a bucket of dirty water all over over Cubby Broccoli's car. That's right. They borrowed it for the day, did not they? Um so yeah, Tibbet's killed. And then Bond finds well, yeah. Bond is then they attempt to kill Bond on a horse.
1: Yes. And and we, he's, but he's he's employing henchmen who clearly have never ridden before. Yeah. Because they all fall off.
3: They do. And and they're all terrible at riding horses. But anyway, Bond gets to the car and he, 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 the Rolls-Royce is driving past but he gets to it and he leans in and he says, keep driving, Tibbet. And he looks in and Tibbet's dead. And Grace Jones yeah. is driving wearing his hat. And then he says, killing Tibbet was a mistake. And, it's, and you can tell see yeah. he seems really upset. Like, like it's proper love going on there.
1: Heartbroken.
3: And then the brilliant line is that uh, Zorin says to him, um, oh, he says to Zorin, uh, my people know I'm here and if they don't hear from me then they'll come looking for me. And Zorin says they're more likely to try and cover up your embarrassing incompetence. Incompetence. And Bond says, yes. don't count on it in a way that suggests he's always incompetent and they never try and cover yeah. it up.
1: If, well, they, well, they do. M does spend a lot. We've just seen he's had to spring him out of a Parisian jail. Mm. Yeah, I think M's probably we sent him on this one hoping he would cop it. Yeah, I mean, even when he's in Zorin's office and he, Zoran uses the uh, face recognition technology. The Commodore
3: 64.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, Andy, it says, you know, armed and dangerous. Mm. Zoran starts laughing. You would, wouldn't you? As you would, Zag, one minute. I could just I could get this guy in the hip. Yeah, And he's going, no.
3: I'll just muck, muck around with this stair lift like in Gremlins.
1: <laughs> yes. It, I do agree that when McNee cops it in this film, I think a lot of the uh, the or was making it fun, kind of goes. Um, I think he should have been the companion for the whole film. It would have been a, not, a nice nod, actually, to, you know, Roger's advancing years, that he, just, he and his mates just have this adventure. And maybe even fall in love. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why ever? Really, we need that in a film. Yeah. And who better to do so, to be the, the partner, than uh, McNee, the man who was thrown out of Eton for being the pornographic uh, king and, uh, and chief bookmaker of the school. Really? Yeah. He was expelled from Eton for running a bookmaking and porn racket.
3: So, yeah, then Bond gets put underwater. I like this bit because, I don't know if you remember, but I guess about 20 years ago, Robert Llewellyn did a TV series mm-hmm. called Hollywood Science. And it was brilliant. Uh, basically, what they did every, every week is they got something that seemed mildly, much like they do with Mythbusters now. It was precursors of Mythbusters they'd get something and see if it would work. And the stunt they did in that was can you breathe with a tire underwater? And you can't. Oh. But it's fun seeing Roger try.
1: But also, I mean, if you're lying at the bottom of a lake, you can't see two figures kiss and then three underwater either really can you
3: no um so yeah bond gets out and then we get mayday which is a strange cut because you get mayday and zorin get in a car and the next second they're up in the, the stratosphere in a not stratosphere but up in the air in a um, no. zeppelin and and they're, they're basically saying this is our plan and then that guy says oh i'm not interested and they drop him out which is, is this funny. a ripoff
1: of the scene from
3: goldfinger i was thinking that yeah it's basically the same thing isn't it
1: yeah it's, it pretty much is. But, um, but I was taken completely out of this scene uh, just after she drops the guy out of the Zeppelin. Yeah. It's on a pair of uh, glasses with mismatching frames. Yeah. Which are exactly like the ones Murray Hunter used to wear in Mr. Don and Mr. George. You're right. Yeah, they are. And I just wanted her to say, get to Falkirk, as, <laughs> as she dropped him up.
3: And if one, oh, was, no. one of the signs in the Zeppelin said, no wasps.
1: <laughs> yes, um, but then you get the
3: one, was... one of the strangest lines of dialogue, where she says, yes. "What a view," and he says, "To a kill." What?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand. It doesn't make any I... sense in any sense. No. Um. Well, actually, isn't the when you're looking down the? This is me being a pedantic wanker here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The when you're looking down the gun barrel at the start of the uh the film yeah but when bond comes on i think in marksmanship that, that view is called view to a kill oh really so like when you're looking through the cross so yeah. i think that's but i mean it makes no sense in the context that it's said here in the film no but every be. bond film begins apart from the daniel craig ones because they haven't got a bloody clue what they're doing no. it, but every bond film begins with a view to a kill there you go, everybody. Fact fans. That's what we've learned today. Yeah, yeah
3: every day's <laughs> a day in school in Smash. Um, but then you get the brilliant bit where Bond is going to go. He, he goes to San Francisco and he meets um, David Yip. Yes. <laughs>
1: he's absolutely tiny, next yeah.
3: to Roger. I, I, I <laughs> can't look at him without thinking of... Uh, he was in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, wasn't he? We've
1: What's been it? on many <laughs>
3: adventures, Indy. I go first. Oh, yeah. <sighs>
1: yeah. Oh, he's, he's been in everything, though, David Yip. Yeah. He's one of those... He's like the young... He was like that generation's Burt Kwok. He was the go-to Chinese actor. He was the Chinese
3: detective, wasn't he?
1: Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, there you go. Um, So then
3: Bond goes and checks out the pipeline, and uh, these Russians are also spying there, and one of them gets dropped into this uh, blender thing. Mm. And then we meet Fiona
1: Fullerton as... Uh, Polar Evo Nova. uh, Well, yeah, we do. And uh, we discover when uh, Bond takes off her wetsuit that the secondary part of that mission was to smuggle peanuts. (laughs) Yeah, there's quite uh, a couple of wet duffel coats on those. She she recorded um,
3: Zorin, didn't she, revealing his secret plan? Yes. With her Sony uh, waterproof Walkman. That she got for Christmas that year. Yeah. And then she goes back to a... Um, yes, the Nippon relaxation spa. Yeah, well, which I've written so... down here nipples more like, echoing what you were saying. And um, they have a little, uh, and again, the, uh, the scene here of a young lady in a bath with effectively a California raisin. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't really do anything for uh, Roger's advancing years, and anything, if anything, it draws a great big line under it. I, do,
1: I don't think it does anything to her Tchaikovsky. Well, she says the bubbles are tickling my Tchaikovsky, which is a brilliant gag. Yeah, I'm letting them. I'm letting them have that
3: one. Yeah, but then you get the best bit of Bondy uh, Bond behavior because he swaps the tapes, and she gets in Gogol's car, and they're like ha 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 ha. Oh, the brilliant bit if you watch when Gogol turns up in his car. It's a completely yeah. different guy driving it.
1: Is it? Oh, I it. Yeah. That.
3: And then it cuts to inside where it's clearly just them on a soundstage with lights going past them. And they put it in and you get that kind of really weird music like
2: boom, Bow, 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 bow.
3: The thing going on. <laughs> Someone's tuning up. Yeah. And then you cap, cut back to Rog and he's listening to uh, Zorin's tape and he literally makes the note, main strike, question mark.
1: Question mark. Yeah. It would if he listened to the whole tape instead of listening to one tiny uh, section, then fast forwarding yeah. then listening to another three or four words, maybe he would have got the full story right there and he wouldn't have had to blunder around in San Francisco.
3: Right? I think so. Because then he returns to San Francisco as James Stock from the London Financial
1: Times. And no this bit this is a bit that annoys me. Hmm. I'm gonna have another one uh, because he conducts a whole interview with this man. Is he the mayor or is the Boss awesome. of, Africa. I forget, but he yeah. has a whole, They have a whole uh, interview, and only at the very end, as Bond is leaving, he asks what Bond's name is. He he <laughs> presumably he sat in there for about twenty-five to thirty minutes. I'm from the London financial diaries, and. He gave an interview to a man who he hadn't, he hadn't introduced himself. I mean, that's just rude.
3: And he says, I'm sure my readers would like
1: to know. Like, oh, you, you think that? You presuppose that, do you? That your listeners would want to know. And what else can I tell the London Financial Times? He <laughs> said in a way that no one has ever spoken in their lives. <laughs> but then he, he follows, he, he sees Stacy and he
3: follows her back to her house. And then she, he gets attacked by um, a very old um, Harpo Marx. But we need to talk about Stacey because Stacy is effectively... Awful.
1: Yes, she is appalling.
3: Mm. And, I, uh, I, and I think it's a 50-50 t- t- tie that the character is appalling and nobody really could have done much with that. And also,
1: I don't think the actress
3: is very good either.
1: No, and again, this was another case that I, <clears throat> I don't think Rod got on with her.
3: Yes, that's right.
1: He, uh, he also learned during the course of filming that he was older than her mother, and uh, that probably put a bit of the kibosh on any chemistry that we're going to have. Yeah, because he also shouts at her a lot. And patronises
3: her. He says things like "Stacy, Stacy," like he's her dad, like she's on a council estate. "Stacy, come in." Uh, but when they're in the lift, when they're in the lift, and the lift's on fire, he literally, yes. for a second, it looks like he's just fucking off and leaving her. She's like,
1: "James, don't leave me!" And he's like, "Fuck uh, this." I, I would have considered. I would have considered it.
2: Yeah,
3: but
1: you know, he's not going to because if if he was going to, he would have left her with a gag about his great big long hot shaft or something.
0: Mm,
3: yeah, that's true.
1: Oh, we've also skipped over the fact that um, when when he
3: was at Stacy's house, he said, uh, "Have you got anything to eat?" And she says, "Oh, I'm I'm a terrible cook." And he says, "Oh, I'm not. I, I dabble." And then a second later, he brings out his
1: quiche de cabinet. Yes, Harry Palmer. He cooks for women, doesn't he? He does. In, yeah, in the Ipcrest file. And mm. this is he's he's catching up with a twenty-year-old a film yeah. by becoming a modern man and doing a bit of cooking. Yeah, and keeping his keeping his blazer on while he's doing it. Just, hmm. Where did he go to school? I mean, come on. But
3: yeah, so the next day they go to the, the, the place and Zorin, Zorin murders that man, the, 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 the water commissioner, whatever he's called. We
2: yeah. have the fire.
3: <laughs> and then you get the wonderful moment where they come out of the fire and the policeman says, we've just found a body up there. Uh, where is it? Yeah, he says, hey, then Bond says to him, if you go into Hal's office, you'll find him dead. And the policeman says, we found him and we found this gun is it yours? he goes, yes, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Fucking idiot.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't think that one through, did he? No. He, he was caught up. He was still, well, he'd done his amazing big rescue at that point where the music swelled up wonderfully. Yeah. And all the women in the audience were presumably supposed to swoon at this mm. point of a stuntman carrying a, a stunt lady, a, lady
3: yeah.
1: a stunt lady down a ladder mm. while the, the John Barry orchestral theme so the music is great in this one as well.
3: Really, really good. Yeah,
1: and the Duran Duran theme is really good as well. Yes, it's, it's excellent. It's the—I mean—the incidental music after. I mean, the last few films, it all been sort of they've been dabbling with synths and mm. disco and crazy. And it, 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 this has gone back to a solid orchestral soundtrack, which was great. Yeah,
3: this is the but, penultimate um, John Barry. It's only this and the next one that he ever does again. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah.
1: that's quite sad, but yeah, he was—he
3: was brilliant. He was. Um, but then you get the bit where um, the, the, he also says to the policeman, um, she says to the policeman, this is James Stock from the London Financial Times. He says, oh, I'm afraid I actually work for the British Civil... British Civil no, the British Secret Service, not Civil Service.
2: Civil Service. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and my name
3: is James Bond. And he says, and I'm Dick Tracy, and you're still under arrest, right? And they get in the fire engine, and he says to her, oh. my name is James Bond, and you must take my word for it. You've lied to her three times.
1: Yeah, and the, and the, the chase that follows is it's average it's okay uh, mm. but it's more than made up for by the amazing facial expressions that rog has to pull while he's hanging on the ladder yeah <laughs> and shouting at tracy for not being able to
2: drive
3: i wonder if there was any points during this particular you know they're doing doing these inserts on a back projected lot you know there where he's thinking I shouldn't have done this one.
1: But then I'm sure Cubby came along with a massive check and uh, all was, all was all right, right again. Yeah. It's funny, when you, it's funny when you think about it, actually, that they did persevere, because I know
3: they were looking around, but every time it seems like they were just waiting for him to come back. And I reckon they'd have yeah. probably done
1: another one if he'd have said yes. Probably. I mean, they, I, 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 I've never, I don't know if we've ever found out the reason for this either, because no. I know that for, I think that for, uh, for your eyes only, they were really keen on a new Bond, but then they kind of shit themselves over and never see never again. And we yeah. thought, we can't put a new actor against Connery. Hmm. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, but then not sure why, they, well, why why it kept going.
2: No. And yeah, I don't yeah, just get
3: the feeling from listening to all the in- interviews and things, I reckon if after a view to Achilles, you said, I'll do
1: one more, they'd have probably done it.
2: Oh, yeah. That's yeah, terrifying. I think so, too.
1: Yeah, well, even more, he was providing employment for the stuntmen of the industry. I think uh, he was. He must have had some some kind of some kind know, of kickback going with them, or something. Maybe he was getting a percentage.
3: But anyway, so then Bond and Stacey then um, drive in their stolen fire engine to Zorin's uh, um, mine, and Fine you get work. that wonderful bit where the guy's driving along. And he just says, where's the fire? And Roger puts on an American accent. He says, your rear end.
2: Yeah.
3: And the guy gets out and I'm thinking, think about it, mate. How does he know the back of your car's on fire? He's
1: just driving towards you. Yeah, it was a cracking bit of luck if that fire truck was coming
2: along, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. Anyway, so they steal yeah. his stuff and they drive in and the guy looks at Stacy with her high heels on and Roger again busts out his American accent and says, women's lib, they're taking over the Teamsters.
1: Well, Well, this guy is used to having such things foisted upon him because he was also the uh, oil foreman in terror of the Zygons. Oh, really? Yeah. So he, this is, I, I immediately got excited when I saw him. So he's to deal with his rigs being destroyed by the Loch Ness monster. Oh, right. Well, so he thinks, Fuck this! I'm going back to San Francisco and I'm going to get a more sedentary job, just looking after a site. Yeah. Uh, and then what happened? I
3: know, just a guy can't catch a break. Oh, and I also realised at this point that Stacey is effectively Derek Zoolander. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. only Derek Zoolander Stacey. would go into a, an office to put on a uniform and it'd come out and be like a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, And, and this was something, this was one of the points of consternation between uh, the actress and Rog because this was apparently something, they just had a pair of overalls she was going to put on, but she mm. wanted to look good. The 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 costume people had to go and uh take it in and make it fit nicely and this caused a load of delays and Rod got very annoyed by this. Hence why he does the joke. Uh, you could have found some that fit you. Yeah, and the, which was an ad lib according to the
2: Yeah, well, it must have
1: Ross. been.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> because she gives him a f- look. She does, she does. And then, and then they come out and then um, they basically find out that Zorin's plan is to flood the mine and also blow it up.
1: Yeah, which will create a double earthquake. Yeah.
3: But then you get really dark stuff. You get Zorin... Um, Drowning all his men, and the ones that are trying to survive, he's machine gunning them down. Yeah, which, uh, which I think thing. is
1: great. Yeah, it's great, but it's very dark. It is. I mean, and I, I, this is um, this was again. Murray says himself, this was one of the uh, things that made him look into leaving. He felt that was too violent.
2: Yeah.
1: bit I mean, well, is it too violent? You can show it at four o'clock on a Sunday on ITV. It's not, the Terminator came out the same year. I think, you know, it was pretty tame as things go. Hmm. But what has Zorin to ask was he killed Patrick McNee. That was reason enough for him to be punished. Hmm. He had to do more bad things.
3: Yeah. So then uh, after all that, they foil the, uh, well, he leaves Mayday to drown. And he basically, well, Zorin, this is, and he basically says, um, yeah, I'll be fine. I don't care. Let's go. And they go. Yeah. And Stacy and Bond get split up because of uh, the flood. Stacy goes outside, and so, Stacy is so shit that she is kidnapped by a
1: very slow-moving zeppelin. She, she doesn't notice a zeppelin creeping up on her. No. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's quite something. And then also Mayday. Well, she's she's quite a fickle one, isn't she? Yeah. She. Uh, this this is poor because it. You know, she, she could have been a feminist icon, and then it turns out she goes, oh, I, th- I thought that creep loved me, she says. Yeah,
3: and then she sees that her friends have been drowned as well, so she gets a bit upset. Pendant on a man, though. That's not the way forward, Grace. No. And then she oh. takes the bomb outside and blows herself up. Yeah. Um, Which is a great moment. It is a great moment, because Soren's face as well. Like, I haven't
1: mentioned it, but I think Christopher Walken's brilliant in this. He is amazing in this. Mm. He, was, he was the only Oscar winner to at that point, to be a Bond villain. Oh, really? Yeah, so hmm, they, they were upping the, the calibre of, the, of their actors. Hmm. And yeah, his, his reaction, he's, he does so many little things, like when he's um, interacting with Dr. Mortner, you yeah. can see little affectionate looks and things between the two. And yeah, there's a lot of great subtlety there. He's, he, in terms of his acting, he's up there with the the top long And also,
3: I found his death, which we'll get to in a bit, but his, he's, the way he acts when he dies, yes. when I was a kid, I found that more disturbing than anything else. Yeah, the way he's literally yeah. laughing, like, oh shit, I can't hold on, I'm going to die. But he's laughing about it. I found that yeah, more man.
1: disturbing than someone being scared and screaming. You know? Yeah, he's, uh, it shows how truly psychotic he is. Yeah. That the, as, as his final thoughts are running through his head and he's about to plunge to his doom, that he has a little chuckle.
2: Yeah,
3: but yeah. So to the, the Stacey goes off in Air Zeppelin, and Rog gets onto the guide cable, whatever it's called. Yeah, and you get their little chase over San Francisco, which culminates them
1: landing at Golden Gate Bridge, and Rog ties them onto it. Bond didn't even really need to go after Zoran, when you think about it, did he? No. I mean, just, Zoran was fleeing the scene of a mass murder. Yeah. And he had no, he had no, he had no plan B. No. I mean, he could have just. The, the police could have picked him up later. Really shot him down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Fuck Daisy. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a Nazi on that thing. We have to take it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining Von saying that. For God's sake, there's a Nazi on that thing. I know he prefers to be called Alt Right. <laughs> fuck that guy. It's Pepe the Frog. He's up there. <laughs> <laughs> Ach, I'm trying to get the latest present planet video. <laughs> Let that
3: sink in, Soren
1: Imagine minor shock.
3: <laughs> there are no-go areas in San Francisco. <laughs> and yes, I, yeah, can you imagine going. Soren, <laughs> you like your racecourse horses, but I have red pilling a generation on YouTube. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why he he's absent for the film for so long Mortner so that's what he's sitting in a, he's in the Zeppelin with his world map behind him yeah and a stick of
3: dynamite <laughs> I'm imagining there's a little argument that him and Zoran are having you're not bringing the dynamite please let me bring the dynamite you're not bringing the dynamite
1: please he man needs the dynamite we, we could have done this in <laughs> <laughs>
3: alright you can bring it this once
1: Okay, we have some dialogue, yeah. Threatened some porn, porn German there. I don't uh, know what happened. I, I, I was enjoying it. And I'm sure mm-hmm. our listeners
3: are. Um, but yeah, oh, so uh, Bond gets hit in the nuts with an aerial, I've written down here. That was quite a good moment. <laughs>
1: and and then that's when when uh, Bond ties the Zeppelin to the Golden Gate Bridge hmm. and Stacey makes her escape. Dr. Mortner tries to go after her, but he forgets his, his seatbelt. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> I do that sometimes when I'm really tired. The the whole thing just turns into slapstick at the end.
3: Yeah, it does. (laughs) Because then Scratchy-Faced Man has to go out there and she hits him on the head with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. So Zorin goes out. Yeah. His slip-on shoes. She slips off.
1: Uh, No, Zorin is wearing these sort of blue slip-on shoes. Yeah. Which is, I, I wouldn't go knocking about on a bridge. Well, that's what I mean. He, he, cool. he,
3: he wears his slip-ons and then end, ends up slipping off.
1: Hey, Yeah. yeah. Well, so, well they we always wear the correct footwear people. Yeah. And I've realised that basically,
3: I've written down here that you know, the, uh, the German Nazi is the, the Nazi Uncle Albert, which makes <laughs> Zor Zorin the Del Boy of Nazis. And, yes. and rather than <laughs> falling through a bar, he falls off a bridge. A Christopher Walken voice, you know, going, all right, Rog, Plus, it play it
1: nice and easy, nice and easy, and falls off the uh, ground. And then we get the line of the film where the, the distraught comedy Natsley <laughs>
3: <"Yikes! laughs> and then he drops it's his a, dynamite. Uh, and then sc- a,
1: Scratchy Face Man wakes up and he's like, "Oh, this fucking dynamite!" <laughs> but the, when he's shouting Max, that's when we get the um, the John Glenn trademark crash zoom.
3: Oh, he uses that
1: a lot. Into- <laughs> As he's watching his adopted genetic experiment son from a nightmarish camp in Poland plunge to his doom, uh, then fallen by, followed by heartbroken Nazi and slapstick explosion hilarity.
3: His brother from another
2: Fuhrer. <laughs> 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 oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, could not resist it. <laughs> that exactly.
3: So yeah, they, they all blow up, and then... Um. Yeah. So Bond is missing, and then Q is on the case, and he's in his wanking Winnebago, <laughs> and he sends in this uh, his his erotic, uh, highly sophisticated surveillance robot cat.
1: He's right outside our house. He could go and knock on the door. The yeah. fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it
3: must take taken ages to get that cat to get up those stairs.
2: Yeah. How did he do that?
3: And then you just see Roger and um Stacy. Barely touching one another in this shower and dubbing over the top, going, Oh, James. And the last words in this film, Roger,
1: if I remember rightly, Roger goes, Oh. Yeah, I, I have a note of that. His la- well, I think this sums up his entire bond. It's very uh, apt, I feel, that his, well, his last act is to throw in the towel. Yes. He does. Yes. That's a good point. Which sums up the great man's career in many ways, I think.
3: That yeah, should be on his gravestone.
1: Has, has, it, has it been done yet?
3: We could go and do it. Good. it says Sir Roger Moore, KBE, the years, and they're just, ha, ha, ha,
1: ooh.
3: <laughs> but I thought that, that was quite be. a fitting end to the, the more,
1: uh, uh, you know, canon. Yes. it's just literally him going,
2: ooh.
1: I think as well, or as an end to his, uh, his, his run of films, I mean, it's, it's more exciting and memorable than the, the two preceding ones. Yeah. It feels like they be trying to put a bit more into this if they knew he was going.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think it's that, because the one thing you can say about this film is it isn't boring. Like, Octopussy does drag a little bit, but this one has got something happening in, in nearly every scene.
1: Yeah. I mean, even when there are, they are as I said, the, the last third of the film can be can drag in certain places, oh. all the scenes with Stacey, basically. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is still moving on and it's advancing the plot and things are, are happening. Mm. But we've
3: reached the time, so we can we, we can both agree anyway that A View to a Kill is a fine end to the Moore era and a, and
1: a good bomb film. Absolutely, I would I would rank it among his better ones. Mm. I, I, I would love go it. with it. It's certainly one of my
3: favorites, as I say, for probably all the wrong reasons. It's just I, I just it entertains me the most. I think out of all of his actually, mm. uh, which is Absolutely, probably sacrilege. Yeah. But I just I have such fondness for it. I have a I have a something in me sometimes where some films. I know they're rubbish, but I just really enjoy them because they're just I they don't care. They're just trying to entertain you, and I think this is definitely one of those.
1: And well, that's and that's Bond films all over. They shouldn't be—they're not meant to be deep uh, delvings into the into the human psyche and uh, the the id or whatever. It's yeah, it's meant to be bums on seats, explosions, girls, cars, villains who get their comeuppance. Yeah. And a, and, a, and a fun hero, you know, a, a, a charismatic, a likable, funny, action guy. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and Roger and Rod, Rod was that in real life as well. There's a, there is one story I have to tell you um, from, this, uh, from the show I saw women. There's a bit at the end where he was taking questions from the audience. And uh, there was a woman sat about one row behind me who must have worked in HR, because her question for him was, what would you say is your gr- biggest failing, and what did you do to overcome it? And you could, you could feel the whole audience silently all sort of going, <laughs> and, uh, Roger, he paused for a beat, and he said, well, I'd say my biggest failing was not being a very good husband, and I overcame it by finding a new wife. Uh, and, and, and the house the house went wild yeah uh, and that that was a you know his he always had that amazing charm going. yeah
3: yeah um so um we've reached the point of the quick fire questions so oh
1: jesus i fucking forgot this bit
3: yeah, everyone says that actually um so uh, in your opinion uh, who is the best bond and what is the best bond
2: film
1: uh the, the best bond is roger Moore. mm-hmm he was, he was the one I watched as a child most. And yeah, for the reasons we, we just discussed, he, he was just brilliant.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: best Bond film. Uh, I may commit a sacrilege here and say, because it's so utterly mental, I think Diamonds Are Forever is the best Bond film.
2: Because
1: mm. <laughs> it is bananas. It is. Um, and, and it has everything.
3: It does. It does. It's...
1: Anyway, we covered that. But yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah.
3: So, um, who is the worst Bond in your opinion, and what is the worst Bond film?
1: Uh, the the worst Bond is Pierce Brosnan. Um, he just it's so nineties. Now looking back at it, it's they're trying to find some kind of middle ground between Connery and Moore with action and comedy. It just doesn't really come off. And then. So the, the worst Bond film is Die Another Day hmm. um, everything about that is wrong it's, it doesn't feel like a Bond film it has a sex scene in it which to my mind is like putting a Sid James cum shot in a carry on film <laughs> it's, not, it's totally against the tone of the series.
3: I'm sorry I'm just imagining what that would be like
1: <laughs> ask, ask ask Babs <laughs>
3: I'm imagining it's an extension of his laugh, like, uh, 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 and spraying like a machine gun. Anyway, um, so uh, who would you have as James Bond? Who would you have as James Bond next? Oh, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Only our oh, <all> Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the face. Um, yeah, so who would you have as James yeah, Bond next? Bernard Breslau should be the next James Bond. Bernard Breslau, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the long-dead um, Bernard Breslau should be yeah, the next James yeah. Bond.
1: <laughs> Now, I always. Um, what was the name of the actor from um, Hustle? The lead actor from Hustle, uh, Adrian Lester. I was say Robert Vaughn. Uh, yes, no, sadly not. I'm sure he was probably asked at some point. Yeah, Adrian Lester. But, that's a good shout. Yeah, he'd be great. I think because he could, he could be a more light-hearted one because he, he's a brilliant serious actor, but mm. he has a, he can be funny too.
3: Nice suave
1: as well. Yes, very yes.
3: Yeah, all right. I'll take that. So, uh, so yeah. Sorry. Bond is full of stupid names like Money, Penny, Small Bone, Good Head. Give me your best Bond lady name now. <sighs>
1: um, Vanessa Tightsnatch. Good. Okay, we
2: won't, oh, won't
1: we won't dwell on that.
3: We won't dwell on the Tightsnatch.
1: Um, so so maybe that'd be your fault.
3: <laughs> but of course you are. Uh, so give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up
1: um well i am disappointed that the uh, when the fashion the brief fashion came for them to uh, go back to ian fleming titles yeah and they didn't do the best ian fleming title which was 007 in new york mm. that's the film i would, and it would have been a montage of roger moore just shopping and sightseeing <laughs> with lovely, lovely music behind it be like, you know those walk don't walk signs yeah, uh, him, him going into a department store. Then it immediately cuts to him coming out with lots of bags, <laughs> and then the dormant waves him on his way. And that would be the two hours of that. I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah, that'd be the best Bond film ever. Thank yeah. you, Craig. You're not. <laughs> okay. Um, so next, um,
3: a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Simon Templar the Saint and James Bond 007. Who wins?
2: Uh, Bond. Obviously.
3: Okay good and uh, finally you're stranded on an island with Sean Connery George Lazenby Roger Moore Timothy Dalton Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt and if it fails who do you eat first
1: um well I mean Roger has his army experience so I'd be tempted to see him um I think though in terms of being able to marshal the guys I think uh think Dalton would be sort of the, the, the guy to sort of make sure stuff got done you know he'd assign everyone a task who's digging the trench to shit in and who's building the tent all of it yeah he, he'd get us there uh, and if it failed we'd um, we'd eat Brosnan yeah
2: okay good no one, no one
1: would notice I mean it would probably, it would fuck up um, the sequel to Mamma Mia but <laughs> it could be- that would obviously be a blessing I'm the only person in the world who hasn't seen the original Mamma Mia. Oh, really? It's a, yeah, it's a weird peculiarity.
3: It's weird. It's a, it, that, that is the film, in, in a nutshell, a weird peculiarity. But anyway, Stephen Graham, thank you so much for
1: joining us. Thank you very much, John. It has been an absolute uh, riot.
3: It has indeed. And uh, before you go, can I offer you some uh, quiche de Cabernet?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't mind if I do. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Goodbye. Bye!